Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Just uh, if you don't know me, my name is Gabe Phillips and uh, a part of the leadership team here. And this is my lovely wife and our baby. Hello. Oh, the kids can go out as well. If you've got kids with you and they've been lurking and they've been waiting, I think most of them have gone out already. But uh, if not, you can go out with Leon. It's really cool. They're fun, specialists and fun. Hey, Leon? Doing a wonderful job, the whole team out there, but really, really cool. Just a few things that uh, if you uh, have been wondering where we were last week, I want to just say thank you so much for allowing us, releasing us and letting us uh, be away last week, Sunday. Fiona and I and Olivia were up in Durban. We weren't on the beach, as you can see. I'm still very pale. Um, we, we were actually ministering at a church there called Harbor City Church, and they're friends of ours who planted a church. They meet in a school hall, a school venue like us. They've been going for four years, and we got to go in there and uh, just preach there, do some leadership training, do some moments there with those guys, which was a huge privilege for us. But the incredible thing, the reason why they asked us in, believe it or not, was because they've heard great stories of what God is doing here at Life Change Milneton. Promise you. They say, we've heard such great things. And I want to just say thank you so much. Uh, just echo what Paul writes in, in, to the Thessalonians saying, your, your love and your faith are being, fam- are being known everywhere, are getting famous. And I want to just say thank you for being an incredible church. We love this church. We miss her when she's away, when we are away from you. We miss being here. We are so uh, jealous that actually God does stuff while we're away. It's like, oh. It's a, good, it's a good thing, though, and for us, it's so amazing, and we wanted to say, we've always wanted to be a church that, is, that punches above our weight, the church that has got a bigger influence than just what we see here and now, and I want to tell you, it's already happening, so I want to say thank you, well done. It's an amazing thing that also for us, a great joy for us that we can be away, and the church powers on, on the Sunday, and we wanted to say thank you. It's really, really cool, uh, saying, we've always said we want this church to be built not on the gifts or the talents of a few, but on the sacrifices of the many. And, and it's, it's so true of her here. So I just want to say well done. We're so proud of this church. I'm so proud to boast of, of individuals here. I told story after story of people in this church, what God is doing in this church. So I want to say thank you. It's, it's, thank you for giving us material to preach about. <laughs> so thank you. Really, really cool. Just also some other things before we get into the Word this morning. Yesterday, uh, we a handful of us went to Milliton Beachfront. We joined in with a, a number of other people to go and help with a beach cleanup. Um, it's amazing. They do it every Sunday, the f- uh, every first Saturday of the month. And uh, we thought, let's just join in. See if starting something brand new, let's go join in where other people are already doing stuff in the community. And it was really cool just to be with them, be with the people, uh, and just actually serve us, our city. We really, ex- we always say it again and again, we want to be the best church for the city. Not trying to be the best church in the city, but for the city. We want to serve her. And in that... Uh, in that vein of thought, we've also got amazing people here who've been doing that as well. We've got Brad and Sonia and, and Amber and Jordan. Amazing family. They're, they're all together. Sorry, I, had to, I was like, oh, they're all together. Yes. They came and they, amazing thing. They said they wanted to serve the school here. The school had a parent-teacher night, and they are all baristas. This, they are uh, otherwise known as barristers. Baristas, eh? No, baristas. Different different job, that one. But uh, they, they came and they said, hey, we want to set up our coffee machine. Can we... So, so can we sell coffees, nice cappuccinos for the parent-teacher meeting here? Cause, and and, and we, they said, I would love to, uh, just to bless them, just to step out. And incredible, the family came, they did that, they served the school, and the, 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 the school were quite perplexed. Some of the parents were perplexed, saying, how much are they paying you for this? Nothing. 
Why would you do this? No, we want to bless. Where, where are you guys from? No, from the church. But we just want to bless the school here. And it's amazing things like that. When it gets in our hearts, it's not just an event. It's not just waiting for somebody else to do it. It's saying, actually, we've got resources. We've got ideas. Let's get stuck in. So it's really cool. I want to say there's a number of you doing pioneering in different areas. One thing in two weeks' time on a Saturday morning at... Um, 8 a.m. just for two hours, I've organized a guy who's going to take us, who's doing amazing work into Joe Slovo, to different areas there, and uh, he's just going to take us on a little tour of there for two hours, just to show us what's going on, because I said, actually, I don't really know where to get, how to get started in there, so I thought, let's go to somebody who's already working there, and maybe we can add impetus to that journey. So if you are free and keen just to come and be a tourist with me, just to go and see for two hours. We don't have to sign up for anything else. Just I'm going in just to have a look. If that's if you're keen for that, come chat to me afterwards. I'll take your number and we'll organize that. It'll be an amazing experience just to see what God's doing. Because we are so excited with what God has been doing through us as life changes into Danoon. And we're just saying as a Milnerton congregation, we believe we can't just do church and, and ignore what's going on around us. So it's really exciting. Is that cool? I think it's exciting. Finally, as Kate mentioned, life groups are going, and we are so, so excited. We believe as God is growing us as a community in, in size, but also in maturity and, and in reach and influence, we believe as we grow bigger, we've got to grow smaller. I want to point you to life groups and say, this is an amazing thing. Amazing. If you've never been in a life group, just start going for this series. It's five more weeks in it. I'm a Christian, but... I really believe this will really influence you and change your life, change your perspective, and I believe community will be good for us. So if you are a life group leader, just put your hand up very quickly. There we go. So if you're looking for a life group, and there was just a casual one from uh, Warren as well, just so there's like, how's it? He's the super cool guy. Yeah, yeah, if you want, I'm cool. I love it. I see that hand, Warren. I see that hand. If you are not in a life group, go and approach them. Say, I want to come to your home. They'll give you nice coffee. They'll give you some nice biscuits. And it'll be a great time of, of where you'll really be encouraged. It's a really important thing for us as a community. Brilliant. Everyone happy? Good. Last final thing. If you're wanting to, ho- if you're saying, actually, I've got a home. I'd like to host a life group one day. Or I'd like to start leading a life group in the future. Come chat. We'd really, we really would be more open than you think about this. We really would love to do it. Why? Because we're not trying to keep people. We're trying to reach people. So we need more life groups. We need life groups in Edgemead, in, in, in that area, up to Platterclough. We need more life groups here in Milnerton. We need more life groups where you are living. We need them. So why don't you, because we're trying to reach the people in our community. So why don't you come chat to me as well. We'd love to get moving. Galatians chapter 5. Hello, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. We're going to read scripture, 18 verses, and then we're going to preach a little bit this morning. It was great to have Mark here last week, and uh, it's a phenomenal word of what God is doing. If you missed it, why don't you go and have a listen? But we're going to press on a little bit further this morning. We're going to be finished with Galatians in three weeks. Three weeks' time. Is that impossible? When it's taken us 12 weeks to get to here? Maybe. But we're going to try our best. But we're going to read Scripture. It'll be on the screen now. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You are running a good race. Who cuts in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. 
A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you'll take no other view. The one who's throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Welcome to church. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Let's pray this morning. Fathers, we stand with a posture of expectation in our hearts, not for what I'm about to say, but what your word is going to be do in our hearts this morning. I thank you, Father, that you would convince us afresh and again that there's so much more than before. You convince us again and again, as you have been doing the worship, God, that we will turn the page in faith to see that you have more for us, Jesus. You're calling us onwards, that you're not pointing to our failures or pointing to our past. You're saying, I'm pointing to your future and what I have for you. I thank you, Jesus, that you're so good, so kind, and your word is powerful and sharp and effective to do what only you can do. We trust you this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Take your seat. It's really cool to be together. Very, very cool. When I was uh, about 18 or 19 years old, a whole bunch of us, a whole bunch of friends, a whole lot of guys, we said, actually, we'd love to go away for a guy's weekend. And uh, as it would do, we, the guys thought, we'll, we'll do this without any lady help. We administrated the whole weekend. So we had a lot of brine meat and a lot of cool drinks. And that's about it. So we realized at breakfast time, we were a little bit shy on the administrative gifts, but that's neither here nor there. So we went to a campsite and it was incredible time. It rained from start to finish. Lots of fun. It was a place up in the Drakensberg, and, uh, and we, but we, we weren't going to be dissuaded. So we played touch rugby in the rain. We played uh, frisbee in the rain. We swam in the little river that was once a little, a little bit of a stream, but now because of the constant rain, it had become a bit of a, a gushing torrent. And we loved it until we woke up the next morning and it was still raining. The tents were wet, we were wet, and I was a little bit miserable trying to eat some old meat from the night before with our cool drink and going, actually, let's go home. That was fun, but let's go home. So we, we packed up, and we were all a bit soaked, and, and everyone else went and had a shower, put on dry clothes in a little cubicle that was there. We got in the cars, and as we were leaving, I was the only one who was a little bit lazy and said, you know, I just wrapped a towel around. I'm okay. Stay in the baggies. Let's go. I just want to get home now. You know, we're just like, let's just get home. Don't want to get in, I don't want to get wet again. Let's just go home. So everyone else was dry. I was in my baggies. We're driving home, and we're going past this, this, this river that, that now is gushing a little bit that we now were able to ride tubes down. As we were driving, this is a true story. True story. I know. You guys think my life is a movie. I know. Uh, just that exciting. But as we were driving home, a mom ran up from the, from the river. I kid you not. Ran up and waved us down and said, my boy, my boy, he's stuck in the middle of the river. So everyone looks around. And they look at everyone else in dry clothes, and they go, you're still wet. And I'm like, but I can't swim. They're like, you're still wet and in baggies. So I said, here, I'm, here I am, send me, Lord, I'm in baggies. So 
I drew the, drew the short straw and uh, I had to run down the bank and I got to the bank, edge of the bank and it was this moment where uh, I was trepidation where I was looking and I think I delayed for so long the, the, the mom thought should I call another car? Like I've got this, and 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 it was it was the little her little lad had got somehow stumbled into the river, and he was clutching on a little rock in the middle, and was with terrified eyes. I don't know, he was around five or six, and and I thought, here's my moment, you know, here's my moment, you know, Chuck Norris move over, and I, I started to wade in, into the river. But as I put my foot in the river, I realized it was a little bit a little bit firmer than I first thought, you know, and the, the river wanted to take me away, but I thought, hey, pride on the line, got to keep pushing along, and it it was this like a baby giraffe moving across the river. But I eventually got to this little lad as I, as I made sure that the rocks I was standing on was firm. I made sure because he didn't want to slip because it could be embarrassing. All the mates in the car watching for Gabe to fail. They're hoping, you know, will he fail? Then they'll come help the boy. That's my friends I've got. But anyway, eventually got to this little lad on the middle of the rock. And, and I, I tried to encourage him that it was going to be okay. I think he didn't believe me because of the terror in my voice. It's going to be okay. He says, do you always talk that high-pitched? That's my normal voice. And then, uh, but eventually, we, I, I convinced them it was going to be okay. We held on to me, and, and in an even more ungainly way, we moved across. I had to be careful because the, the water was pulling me down, pulling us down the river because that's the direction it was flowing. And eventually, we got across. The mom got her boy and gave her, him a hiding for disobeying her. I didn't get much of an applause. I was a little bit, no reward, nothing, all right. Moved on, got back in the car, and the guys, to thank me and to celebrate my newfound uh, hero status, they said, you're sitting in the boots because you're wet. No, being a hero is not what it used to be, you know. But I tell you that story just for two reasons. Number one, to let you know I'm a big deal in the Berg. And secondly, <clears throat> I want to tell you that because I believe there's something that's in this story this morning, in the scripture that we read, what Paul is doing in the whole book of Galatians. He's setting up these people who, who've started off well, who believe in Jesus, but are people who are, because of life, because of the pressures of life, because of the pressures of others, because of the, 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 the enemy's tactics, they're feeling like a little lad on the rock who is being pulled by the weight of the world, pulled by the weight of the voice of the enemy saying, actually, this is a different way. That's, 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 that's too good to be true. You've got to try something else. And Paul is trying to say to them, yell to them, resist the drift. If you want the title this morning, it's Resist the Drift. Because everything, I want to tell you, everything inside of who I am knows that, it, there, I don't know about you, and maybe somebody told you, when you come to Jesus, it's going to be easy. That preacher was a liar. Because I've lived this life a little bit, and I'm uh, first to say, it's not as easy as it is sometimes to hold on to Jesus alone. Am I right? Sometimes I, I, I'm not the only one. Maybe I'm preaching to myself. But I'm telling you that this world, every, this, everything is set up. Religion is set up to be a drift, to go to some other pseudo-savior, to pull you to away from Jesus, away from the hope that you stand on and cling to. But Paul is saying, don't drift, resist the drift. And that's what we're reading this morning. Thank you for the encouragement, Dave. Very encouraging at the back. So this morning, out of this context, out of this these five, this chapter five, and if you if you've been away, verse chapter one to four, Paul has been using every argument in his armory to get us to this truth that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That's him alone. Chapter five, verse one is like the hinge verse. It's the ultimate verse in the in the book of Galatians. If you want to have it on, get on a coffee cup, you're going to see in many people Christians' home. But this is the truth, and this is the the very essence of this, this this whole book can be summed up in this one verse. It says this: It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm. Other translations say, resist the drift. That's my translation. Stand firm, therefore, and do not be burdened by the yoke of slavery. Resist 
the drift. Maybe this morning before I preach, we've got three points coming your way that's going to be really good and I believe are going to help us and change our lives this morning. Can you turn to your neighbor and say to him, resist the drift? Oh, it's good. It's really good to participate together in scripture and preach to each other. Resist the drift, brother. Three points out of the scripture. We're going to work that scripture, verse one, that's going to take us, lean us into the rest of the other verses and help us move forward this morning. But the three points, I read that scripture, Galatians 5 verse 1, and I read it backwards. So point number one is this, stand firm. Paul is giving us these, these instructions how to resist the drift this morning. Number one is to stand firm. Paul is under no illusions, we are in a war. This is not a nice namby-pamby letter just to encourage you, just to, to ruffle your feather and say, you're such a nice guy. I love your church. No, this is, if you read the language, it sounds like Paul is angry. Not at them, but at, 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 at these other people, the Judaizers who've come and tried to pull them and drift them away from the truth of the gospel. Paul is angry. His letter is not, it's, it's not this light, light and fluffy language. He has used strong language. He, in this verse as well, he, I've said some terrible things from the pulpit before. I have. Where I've had to get rebuked and told, Jesus I was a bit tough, a bit harsh. I've never said, I wish they would go and masculate themselves. So I'm actually okay. Paul is much more hardcore than me. So I'm okay. I get off scot-free when I go, oh, well, let me tell you what Paul said in Galatians. Paul has used language. He said, who has bewitched you? You fools. Why? Not because he's angry at them, but because he has seen the nature of the life we live and the nature of the human heart is that we drift. Left to our own devices, left to our own apathy, left to our own comfort, left to our own religious tendencies. We're like a bowling ball that always goes to the gutter. We always drift. Like a little lad that's in the river that's raging, we, we let go and we just, let's go along with the tide, with the rapid. I, I love this. Paul's been using this aggressive throughout the book. And, and I always say he's no, no TBN preacher, this guy. Nothing against TBN, but shoop, this guy, Paul, can get going. Somebody once said that whenever Paul came to preach, there was either a riot where they try to kill him and kick him out of town, or a revival. That same communicator says, when I preach, they serve tea. Something's wrong. <laughs> Some, this man is fired up because he's seen something of worth and says, I'm not going to let you settle. I'm not going to let you see. He's fighting for their freedom, and he knows the condition of our hearts. He knew the condition of his own heart, and this preacher this morning knows the condition of my own heart. And that's why I need Galatians this morning to preach to me. Because I want to tell you, this heart is prone to forget and it's prone to slip. That's why Paul says so often, remember, remember. Go count how many times he says remember or stand firm in this short six-chapter book. Remember. Why? Because we forget. Stand firm. Why? Because we slip. He's putting that inside us again and again. There's a hymn, Come Thou Fount, of every blessing that says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. I know Jesus, I love him, but I know my heart. And it's, it, it tends to other superficial things, other superficial saviors, other superficial comforts again and again. That's why I've got to hear the word of God come and say, resist the drift, Gabe. A quote that I really believe strongly is that men in skinny jeans should not do the splits. Just, I've read in a Chinese fortune cookie once. But the, what I'm getting at is, yeah, I think this is what Paul is saying in, the, in, 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 in a different way, but I'm just trying to put it in my own language to understand it. But Paul is saying that people have said, hey, I'm, I'm with Jesus, but I've just added just a little bit of, of religion, circumcision that's going to please him. And, and they start doing this, and, and, and Paul is actually saying, and he's like saying, but I've got Jesus, that's just a little bit of addition. 
But Paul is going on saying, actually, if you add, you're actually basically saying, this foot, can I tell you, is seconds away from slipping and going the full way. Don't try and pretend that you're good enough to keep the splits going. Paul's saying, actually, you, 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 the cross means nothing if you try and add a little bit to him. You're letting go of Jesus totally. But people on the other side are saying, I've got Jesus. And, 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 and that means I can do whatever I want, you know? So I'm going to live fine. He's forgiven me so I can do whatever I want, man. And he's saying, actually, the same thing. What you're doing is you think it looks like freedom, but it's only seconds before you're going to re- totally go. Because you if you're not resisting the drift, you're going to be going with the flow. And we were never meant to live in neutral gear. I want to tell you, one leg in the cage of legalism, this plus this equals God's blessing. That type of thinking. If I do this, if I just go back to church, then God's going to bless me. Church is good. Mutual. God calls us in Scripture. Hey, do not neglect the gathering of the saints. But it's not there because God will bless you if you go. We go because we're already blessed. Because we go for other people, to encourage other people. This is the problem. When we get legalistic in our hearts, it produces two things. Hypocrisy. Know what hypocrisy is? Saying that, hey, listen, I do this. I'm going to serve God well. And and actually, we're never going to keep up with it. So we end up going to be lying and covering it up and just pretending that we're better than we are. And second, it's going to produce anxiety because you're always going to be falling short of what you're saying. I'm going to, uh, this, this week, I'm making big promises, never meet, me, meeting up. And if your promise determines the blessing, then I'm going to be nervous all the time because I'm failing. And this is the understanding. When I say hypocrisy, somebody once said this, the Dutch pastors, when they, when they moved to Germany, they were so shocked when they saw the German pastors drinking that the cigars nearly fell out their mouths. <laughs> my sin is better than your sin. That's basically what legalism does. Basically starts saying, actually, my sin's not that bad, but your sin, <laughs> and it gets us making sure that my sin at least is a little, little less than yours, so that's how I'm okay. Can I tell you what that's called? That's called the drift. It's called the drift, and men in skinny jeans should not wear do the splits. It's testing you, Kelly. Well done. That's why you got it. Well done. Very good. Very good. Uh, you know, this sort of thing. If you picked up the Bible, and today, first time you read the Bible, your first time you came to church, you open chapter 5, and you read verse 3, it says, and it actually says, um, if you get circumcised, Christ of no value to you. You go, basically, it's, logically, you could say, okay, that means if I, Jesus hates circumcision, so if you get circumcised, that means Jesus will be happy with you. If it's logic if you just read that verse. But that's not what Paul's saying. Paul's not on a crusade with, for circumcision or non-circumcision. He's actually not really that hugely fussed. He's, what he's worried about is what it represents. He's worried that actually for them, circumcision or non-circumcision, because it can happen both ways, religious people say, I'm circumcised. I don't know if you've ever said that, but I mean, just metaphorically. No, I've, I'm doing religious things to please God. Look how great I am. But on the other end, other guys are going, hey, I'm not religious at all. I'm not circumcised. Look at me. I'm so free. I can do what I want. <laughs> it's the same thing. It just masquerades as a freedom, but it's actually a subtle drift towards actually I'm better than you. And, and, and we start judging other people. And it actually filters in faces either pride, hypocrisy, anxiety, no freedom. This is what Paul is going on about here, because actually he says, For in Christ, neither our most conscientious religion nor disregard of religion amounts to anything. Let me put it this way. I love Jesus. I promise you I love Jesus. I sit in quietness and I go, actually, do I love Jesus? I go, yes, I love Jesus. I'm convinced of it. I know I love Jesus. But here's the problem for me, if I'm honest with you. 
is that my job, I get told I'm doing well. This is my job. This is the, the perils of doing full-time ministry. As I get told, you, well done, Gabe, because you're loving Jesus well. So when I preach a good sermon, people, sheesh, that was so good. You, you must love Jesus well. You, you must love Jesus a lot, which I do. But here's the problem with my human heart is I go, oh, I love Jesus well. <laughs> and I go, actually, sheesh, the problem is next week I've got to preach a good sermon or they're not going to think I'm really loving Jesus well. Actually, I love the, the way somebody afters, well done, sheesh, that was so good. Thank you. really encouraged me. You're an amazing inspiration. I love that. It's my wicked heart because I know my heart is prone to slip and to forget and to drift. And that's the problem for me. It's actually a good thing. And the, the problem for me is that it ends up setting myself up for pride or hypocr- hypocrisy. So either I go, well, I'm really doing well. Or I'm not doing well, but I go, I can't be vulnerable with these people. Because if they know the real me, they're not going to like me. And they're going to think, oh, I don't know if I'm going to go there anymore. That's the dilemma for me. That's why I have to preach the gospel to my own heart. That's why Galatians is not, the gospel is not just there to save me. Oh, good, no, you preach something else now, Gabe. No, it's there to sustain me. I need it again and again and again, because otherwise I tell you I drift to pride or I drift to sin, and I just do, I need the gospel. I need to preach it. I need to resist the drift, stand firm. Paul uses in other language, in other letters in the Bible, he uses these words. He says, cling to Jesus. He says, fix your heart, set your mind, fix your eyes. And in 1 Timothy 6, he says, guard the deposit, set a perpetual watch over it. He calls us, this actual, this, 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 this is not an apathetic thing. When we say, hey, the grace of God does not mean to be apathetic. It means taking hold of our hearts and saying, you will trust Jesus. It's taking hold of your one hand that's on your works and one hand on Jesus. Say, actually, I'm going to let go, resist the drift, and put them on Jesus alone. It's going to let go of my sin and my licentiousness and put them on Jesus. This is the war. This is the gospel. This is your. If you want to know what is the work of uh, that Christ is calling us to, hold on to Him with everything you've got. Hold on. Resist the drift. Stand firm. Second point this morning. What do you? What do you? Ha- what do we have to stand firm on? Secondly is that Christ has set you free. Stand firm. Christ has set you free. There's a great hymn that we probably all know. Amazing grace. And one line says this, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. I love that. I love singing those lines because I want to tell you in my heart as well, I know it's not one day when I am free. Too many Christians have a one-day-win reality, and it it holds them back. This is part of the drift, the the lie of the enemy, is that when you say, one day, when I get my act together. One day, when I recover from my bad relationship. One day, when my baby sleeps better through the night. One One day, when I quit that habit. One day, when the person who betrayed me asked for forgiveness, then I will forgive them. One day when, and everything we live in this delayed sense of freedom, saying it's there, it's just there, it's always out of our grasp. We never can walk into it, and, and it ends up holding us back. When actually the scripture is telling us, it's but now, that's the past tense, Christ has set you free. Has. We've got to labor this stuff in our hearts, because no longer in the scriptures are we addressed as sinner or servant. We are addressed as sons and daughters. If you believe in Jesus, I don't care what type of sin you're walking in at the moment, you are his son. You're his daughter. I don't care what attitude you have in your heart, you're his son. You're his daughter. 
He is not you. He loves me. He loves me not. He said, if it was based on your performance, then you are God. And I want to tell you, he has the greatest freeing thing. You are not God. He is. And he paid the price. Jesus died. Jesus has set you free. We've said this throughout the series. It's not, I found Jesus. No, he found you. He called you. You had no strength to find him on your own. This is a top-down gospel. This is not a bottom-up thing where we have to reach up to him. He said, no, heaven reached down to us. And this is the great news. He, just, he didn't just come to get us started. The kickstart to the motor. No, you've got the rest. He said, actually, this is how he started the job, by saying, it's finished. Jesus started the job of rescuing us by saying, it's done. We start from his finished work. It's not his unfinished work. Not from just a, just a little, just to get them out the boat, then we'll see how they do. See you in heaven. Wonder how they're doing. No, he finished the job. And here's the amazing thing for us. Every religion, we've said this again and again. Every religion says this. Die for God. ISIS. All these. And every other religion, even from the extreme to the lesser type of karma, is actually, in the, in, in the Buddhist religion, is actually, if you, if you, if you lower yourself in the next life, you, you'll get more. If you, if you die now, you're, but this is the amazing good news of the gospel. He says, don't, it's not about us dying for God. He says, God died for you. The only religion that can say that. God died for you. He came down and rescued you. So we believe this. So we work from freedom, not for freedom. We work from freedom. We have been set free. Then we work out what does that look like for us. Not that we're working for freedom. Because every other religion says work for reward, work for blessing, work for favor. Jesus says work from my strength, work from my provision, work from my grace, work from my joy, work from my righteousness. Work from what I've already given you. It's good preaching. Mark said last week in these things, things that we've been freed from, freed from guilt and shame. We've been freed from sin, the power and the penalty of sin. We've been freed from the obligations of the law. We've been freed from the wrath of God. We've been freed from them. So here's my thing for you. Do you want to stop sinning? You want to stop sinning? Here's the, you want to know what, your secret of how to do that? Believe that Christ has set you free. How, how do I get to that logic? Well, Tim Keller says we believe Christ for salvation. I just believe in Jesus, so when I die, I'm just going to be saved. But actually, my sin is my thing. I've got that one. I'm going to work hard at that. That's not, this is the thing. Actually, if you want to stop sinning, believe the gospel. Believe that Christ is enough, that he has paid for that sin, that he's rescued you from that sin. That's how we do this thing. Paul is saying this. So many people, we say, we say this phrase, by faith we are saved. Paul's saying no. By faith alone we are saved. It's not semantics, because those Judaizers are saying, yeah, by faith you're saved, but it's a good thing to be circumcised as well. Hedge your bets, you know? Take some control back. It's nice to be in control. Nice to know, actually, I'm on point five on my six-step journey. I'm nearly there. I love being in control. But actually, trusting Jesus, saying, actually, you've got control. I trust you fully. I'm leaning on you totally, Jesus. Because for you and I, when we get this, we stop drifting from sin to promises to sin, to promises. I don't, that's me, that's my existence. Often I go, from sin, I go, hey, I'm so sorry, God. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to react angrily like that again. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And then something happens and I do that again. And I'm like, ah, oh, guilt and shame. And I just drift from this one thing of sin to promising not to do it again. To sin, to promising not to do it again. And I'm tired of doing that. When Jesus is saying, all who are weary, come to me. 
Resist the drift. Christ has set you free. Because when we get this, we stop begging for permission and we start walking in authority. If we hold the sinner's cap and the servant cap, we've always coming saying, hey, God, we need some influence. We need some breakthrough. We need some healing. Please, please, God. And God said, no, no, no. When we start understanding that he has set us free, we work from free and we work from his resources. Actually, I get to ask with confidence, with boldness and confidence I can come before God. Final point this morning. Stand firm. Secondly, Christ has set you free. The whole purpose of this, number three, is for freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. I love this because I want to tell us right now, this is huge, that God is not a killjoy. My cousin struggled with this for years. You still ask me. So I come become a Christian. I have to give up a whole lot of stuff. Yes, I don't know if I can do that. Eh? I like Jesus. I don't like the stuff he's called me to give up. It's like as if God is a killjoy. When we see God as a killjoy, what does it lead to? Us rebelling. We end up rebelling. Also, on the other breath, God is not a headmaster. Because when he's a killjoy, we rebel. When he's a headmaster, we toe the line, nervously, hoping. If I just do this, he's going to bless me. I'll tell you, the scriptures reveal again and again that God is not a killjoy nor a headmaster. He's a father who has made a covenant with us. A covenant not of ifs and buts, but of promises. He's made the promises. Do you know who keeps them? He does. If you make the promises, God, I'm going to stop doing this, then you have to keep them. Can I tell you your heart drifts? You're not good at keeping your promises. He has a disclaimer for you. I suck at keeping my promises to God. I'm going to really do well this time, God. So often my heart has drifted. That's why the good news is that he makes the promises. He keeps them. So I trust his promises, not mine. Good news about having a father is that I don't have to be bound to my yesterdays, not bound to my failures, not bound to my successes either. I get to go free. I'm free to say no. I'm free to say yes to Jesus. But this is the understanding for you and I this morning. As Mark said last week, and Vice started to lean us into, is that I'm not just, it's not just a freedom from, but it's a freedom to. Christ has set us free from. But why? For freedom, so that we can live free. Not people who are living in the past, living and, and hoping we don't drift backwards, but he's moving us forward in the gospel. There's a statue in the, the Congo. I went to the Congo for on a mission trip a couple times. And there's a statue of the great liber- liberator, Joseph Kabila, in the center of the square. And uh, the statue is uh, 20 years old, 30 years old now, of the big independence and of the big liberator. And he's standing victoriously, arms lifted, holding chain, broken chains in his hands. And as I saw that, firstly, I understood a little bit of the economic reality of Africa, is they have a liberator, freedom from the oppressor. And then they become the government, and what are we going to do? I don't know. I thought you knew. No one knows what to do once they're free. So all what happens? They all move back into another different form of slavery. African country, economically, if you look at it. There's no plan of what the next step is. And this is the promise. Also the Christian heart is my heart too, that I know I'm free, but I'm standing there going, I'm free. I'm holding on my chains though. I'm standing in the open prison door going, I'm free. Okay, walk out now. I'm free. We don't know what we're free for. So we're never able to walk into it and we always end up drifting back into what once was. But here's my understanding for us. He, put new, he puts new affections, new desires in our hearts. He puts new things, that the, the things we used to find pleasure in. We start getting a, a sour distaste in our mouth because we've been pursuing him. But here's my big thesis for this morning is this. I said that all of this is prefaced to get to this one point. Is to resist the drift 
you and I have to embrace the chase. Let me say it again, it rhymes. It must be true. To resist the drift that, that is pulling on our hearts, that every day I, that, that I know is pulling my hearts to legalism, to, to licentiousness, to my own will, my own way, to be my own savior, to resist that drift, I've got to embrace the chase. What do I mean by that? Christianity is not just about saying no. You know what happens if we're just always saying no? Oh, no, I will not look at her. No, I will not take that drink. No, I will not have a bad attitude. No, I will not. It leads to a bunch of Christians, as somebody once said, who are glorified lemon suckers. You walked in? I'm so filled with the joy of the Lord. You know, you know that sort of thing? It's like, praise Jesus. He's awesome. And it's just like, life is sucking for these guys. Because they're just always saying, no, I mustn't. No, no, no. When actually we've not just been freed to say no, we've been freed to say yes to him, to the one who's called us to freedom. I want to tell you in this understanding, I've said it before, but I love this illustration. It reminds me of what we call to, is that my love for fee, for Fiona, my wife, is not proved by when I go to a fee. You know, today, there's three pretty girls who walk past, and I said no to every one of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love you so much, I said no to every other girl. She'll go, what the hell's wrong with you? That's part of it. Yes, saying, saying no is good. But actually, my love is proved by me saying yes to her. By pursuing her. By saying, Fee, I love you. What do you like? Fee, let's go. On. Hey, I want to serve you. I want to lay my life down for you. I want to say yes to you and the, the joy that you bring. Actually, my love is proved not by me saying no. It's by me saying yes. For me to resist the drift in marriage, which will come in as well, that drift away from her, it's not by me saying no to other girls. No, no, no. And other pleasures. It's me by saying yes to her. It's the same thing with Jesus. And this is the understanding for you and I. Jesus is after our joy. He is so after our joy. He wants us to be the happiest people in the world. But when I say happy, I struggle to use that word because I know happiness is circumstantial. Things are going well. The Lions won last week. The Lions lost this week. Liverpool are going to win next week. Prophetic. They probably will win, lose the next week. You know, we live, we, after circumstantial, life is going well. They, the girl phoned me back. She didn't return my call. The boss loved my work. He didn't. And happiness is like that. Jesus says, actually, I don't want you to be hooked into circumstance. I want you to be hooked on a greater source. Joy that is always forever. This is who God is. This is our God. He's a God of pleasure and joy. He created pleasure. So much so, he says that pleasure is forevermore at my right hand, he says to us in his, in, in his word. And I want to tell you, Jesus has the markets covered when it comes to freedom. If anyone wants to tell you, hey, uh, you know, hey, you Christians, uh, I'm into my, I've got my own thing going. I want to tell you, they, they're settling to, for a false freedom. We settle for a false freedom because free, Jesus says, I've got a freedom and a joy for you that comes with no guilt. The greatest hangover pill. <laughs> no guilt tomorrow. You don't wake up going, ah, oh, I wish I hadn't done that thing. Greatest freedom that also has no anxiety attached to it. This is the freedom Jesus is offering you and I. But I want to tell you this morning, true freedom is only walked in when we lean into it, the soul-satisfying friendship and intimacy with Jesus. Freedom to pursue and be pursued by a king who left his throne. Because I want to tell you, the greatest freedom is not a condition of lifestyle. Freedom is a person. His name is Jesus. I want to tell you again and again, to resist the drift, you have to embrace the chase. 
If you just heard resist the drift, it's another, come on, we got to try harder and just make sure we don't, we say no, say no, say no. But actually the power, what will empower your no is what you're saying yes to. If you're saying yes to Jesus, if you start making decisions tomorrow, I'm going to say yes to Jesus. My circumstance is going to come, uh, but the drift is going to come to pull my heart, but I'm going to resist the drift. I'm going to embrace the chase. God will start to do something in our hearts. I'm going to ask very quickly if the band could come up as we land this morning. I believe this morning, as I, I was, the last couple of nights have been quite tough. Our baby's a little bit sick. She's not sleeping well. And the world becomes bigger at two in the morning. Eh? It's like, oh, sleep evading you. And actually, the, in the morning, it's just much easier to, to just allow my heart to drift. Just, oh, it's church today. I'll just, you know, I'll go. It's just it's fee, family. Uh, Jesus, yeah, I know. I just allow my emotions to drift. I just allow my attitude to drift. I just allow my, my response to drift. I allow how I, actually my, my faith level for my baby's health just to drift. But actually, for me, I've got to take hold of my heart and say, it's for freedom that Christ has set me free. Stand firm there, Gabe, therefore, Gabe, and do not be bound any longer to a yoke of slavery. Resist the drift by embracing the chase. I have to preach this to my heart. And I say, ma'am, I want to tell you, you have to preach this to your heart every day. When we do this, watch, watch you see what God does. He shapes our affection, shapes our desires, shapes our, our longings for Him more and more and more. As we say, more we say yes, it fuels the ability to say no. You want to overcome sin? Start saying yes to Jesus. I believe this morning that there are many like me who may have wandered. You've allowed your heart to wander or, or you may be swerved. It's done a detour because of a situation happened. It's like, actually, I'm uh, kicking out for a while. I deserve it. Things have been tough. Or maybe it's just been a bit more subtle. And it's just a deviation, just a drift from your first love. You, you've you made big calls for Jesus, but you've allowed your heart to drift, maybe into legalistic. Actually, I'm just going to try harder. Or, we, or, or just actually just allowed apathy and, and licentiousness and sin to get in. Paul in the scripture, and I carry him today to you and I, don't go back to being slaves. Fucking a clarion call. Don't go back to being slaves. Don't go back to being slaves. Because it's for freedom. The Christ has set us free. So stand firm and do not be burdened by a yoke of slavery. I say it one more time. Resist the drift by embracing the chase. Can we all stand to our feet this morning? Lift our hands. However you want to respond to Jesus. I want to pray. We're going to sing one song. We'll say amen. Father, I pray right now for us as a people. A people who you've called by name. The people that you love, the people that you have pursued, that you pursued us. You let go of heaven. You let go of, of, of all your rights and your privileges. You laid them down. You laid them aside to become a man and to come after your children. You came after us, not just for a one-time transaction. If we put our faith in just the fact, yeah, I once prayed a prayer. Our faith is not in our praying a prayer. Our faith is not I once put my hand up in the back of a room. My faith is in a person, Jesus Christ, who pursued me and who still pursues me and says, I want all of you. I want all of you. I want freedom for your heart. I want freedom for your emotions. I want freedom for your, your anxieties. I want freedom from, from addictions. I want freedom for you to, to lean into the more God has so that you would lead people into my freedom. I thank you this morning, God, you're releasing hearts. That word of turning over the page is happening today. Turning the page of, of, of just lemon sucking, saying no. Of turning the page from actually just saying yes to whatever I feel, whenever I feel like it. Actually, no, today I'm taking hold of my soul and say, Jesus is yours. I pray you're putting confidence in our hearts because of your son, Jesus.
and Jesus alone.